This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Scoop, Season 8, Episode 2. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Javon Edmonds. Later in the podcast, you're going to hear the voice of Sam Cohn. Uh, what's going on, Javon? How are you? I'm pretty good. Back in Philly for the week. Uh, getting back to the swing of things. How about you, John? Hanging in. Getting back in the swing of things. We've got um, what we think will be a really enjoyable uh, podcast for you this week. Uh, a, a big part of the podcast, or a good portion of it, is going to be uh, the conversation that we have with former Temple great Deontay Christmas. You're going to hear part of that interview in the podcast here. If you're an Alscoop.com subscriber, You'll get access to the full uh, to the full interview. Uh, in addition to what you're going to hear on the pod, uh, there's just so much great stuff there. Deontay, in addition to being just one of the greatest players in the history of the program, a really good storyteller too. Uh, we've got some football, uh, not spring football, preseason football camp updates for you as the season opener approaches. Uh, Kyle Gauss not with us, uh, not with us today. Uh, he is busy because he is now, uh, in addition to his son Jordan. Uh, Kyle and Meg welcomed into the world their daughter, Haley. So uh, she was born on August 8th. So we want to wish Kyle and Meg the best. So Kyle's going to be out of action for a little bit uh, with more fatherly duties now. So just wanted to give them a shout out. Um, we'll, we'll we'll take you into this uh, this interview in a second. Famous number two is before we get to that. I got one. We talked about him recently in terms of an old school NBA guy. I mean, there are a lot of good number twos. What, what comes to mind? J.J. Hardy, okay, the, the, the real number two of the AL East for all those years. Um, ah, man, let's see. Who, who are you going to go with? Because I'm, I'm not saying the name that everyone's going to want me to say. I, I refuse to. In terms of AL East? Yeah. Yeah, Derek Jeter. Get that out of the ah. way. Oh, oh Derek ah. Fisher, the real number two that with the first name of Derek. Derek who Fisher. Did, who did we talk about recently? A former Sixer who was very good dominated the Lakers in the 83 NBA finals. Oh, the great Moses Malone. Yes. Yes. So a few number twos, keeping with our, our numbers tradition there. Um, so let's, let's let take you into, uh, we'll take you into this interview with Deontay Christmas again, just a prolific shooter and score. Uh, so many memorable games uh, in the, in the portion of the interview that you're going to hear here. Uh, we talked to him about his early years playing basketball, um, some of the coaching that he is doing now, the time he spent around uh, the Danny Rumpf classic. And again, you'll you hear Don, Deontay talk about why the Rumpf is so important to him and his ties to that family, uh, his recruitment, um, a little bit of that, you know, his, his high school career leading up to his recruitment at Temple. And then we also asked him to dissect the Al Scoop fantasy draft that we had and, and had a lot of fun with that. And you'll hear him talk a little bit about the current team as well. So we'll play that portion of the interview for you. And again, a reminder that if you're a subscriber to alscoop.com, you'll be able to hear other parts of the interview that you won't hear here. So we're going to play this portion of the interview for you that we know you'll enjoy. We are thrilled to have one of the best players in the history of the Temple basketball program with us. Uh, not only was he a heck of a player, but a guy that really, really connected with the fans because the way he played the game, the way he interacted with fans. Deontay Christmas is joining us 
this week. Deontay, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, excited to be on here, man. I've been uh, keeping up with you guys a lot, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so Sam Cohn, who's with us here, he ran into you at the at the Rumpf Classic this year, which just finished its 17th year. So, so many people, yep. feeling, they know why the Rumpf is spe- so special. And I feel like more people in the city are still learning about it. But, you know, but beyond yeah. like, the big names showing up like Tyrese Maxey, you never know who's going to walk in the building. What, what's your view of why it's so special in Philly? You know, you've been a part of it. You've played in it. Why, why do you think it's so special to people? Um, because, you know, it brings, it brings the city together. Um, the last few years, you know, again, our city has been like in a, in a rough stage and the Danny Rump Classic has been something where everybody could just come together and just, you know, interact and enjoy good basketball. Outside of the NBA guys, it's still a lot of good basketball players in the city. So, um, and, and, and especially for the kids, the kids don't get to see a lot of these pros, these overseas pros, uh, these NBA guys up close and personal, and but you know the Daniel Classic to provide that for a lot of inner city kids. It's uh, I think it's really a dope for them to do that, and it's kind of special for a lot of kids to uh, see that and, and be a part of it. Deontay, along those lines, uh, we had talked a little bit about this last year, but you um, you're personally a little bit closer to Danny's story. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't yeah, want to yeah. ask you to share too much, but. Um, curious if you can yeah. share, like, does it mean a little bit more to you to be around it each year? Uh, you played it, you didn't play it this year, but you've played it a number of times. Um, just curious, yeah. you know, how much more it means to you and your, uh, in your basketball journey. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little closer to me because I was actually there, you know, the day that Danny passed mm-hmm. and I was a part of the, you know, from the first Danny Rump classic, I was there. So it's, uh, it's a little bit, means a little bit more to me, like in, Fences, like when I told like Maxi and like uh, John Wall with Harden, when those guys come and play, I just I tell them like it is this is like serious. Like this is we want to win this championship. Like we want to win as much as possible. We want to go out here and play serious and give the, the the fans a good show because we take this very serious here in Philadelphia. So like when uh, I explained it to Maxi, Maxi kind of like you know you can see the the transition in this game. We started to play a little serious because he didn't know the meaning behind it. So it was kind of uh, dope to see him do that and him to, you know, take that in. But, um, yeah, man, it, it means a lot to a lot of uh, Philly guys and Philly athletes because we actually knew Danny um, really close with his mom, but really close with, uh, you know, Mike Morat, Sharif Bray, um, Sharif Hanford, all those guys that put this thing together. We are actually close and grew up together. So it's a little close, uh, closer to a, a few of us than than most. Yeah. Um, just to pivot a little bit to kind of what you got going on now, uh, you've been coaching the city's mine uptown team. You guys are headed to yep. New York shortly. Um, coaching guys like Justin Edwards, uh, I believe Ahmad Noel, Xavier Brown, there's a lot of talent on your team. Just getting yeah, a chance yeah. to get really, really more into coaching. Um, what's that been like for you? Kind of catch us up on what's been going on man, with that. I, I love it, man. I, I love being around a youth. These guys like, like, you know, they listen to me, they respect me, and I respect those guys. As much as they're learning from me, I'm learning from from them. I'm kind of like a rookie at this, so, you know, I'm making my mistakes, at, and you know, as I'm going along. But these, these kids, man, they, they listen to me, they're very respectful, and they have a lot, a lot of talent, and they're going to go far with this. And I'm just happy to be a part of their journey. 
And, um, you know, I just can't wait to go to New York. I have, like, you know, some of the best kids in the area, some, some of the best kids in the country. So for me to be able to coach them and for them to coach them is, is great, man. And I'm happy. Deontay, obviously – Oh, go ahead, Sam. Sorry, Javon, real quick. Between – Deontay, between coaching the city is mine. You coached, uh, I believe it was the All-City Classic, one of the All-City Classic teams. Yeah. Um, yep. getting yep. more into coaching, uh, how would you kind of describe that transition and, and what you've been like as a coach and what you've learned a little bit about yourself as it, you've done actually, a little bit more coaching and training? Yeah, it's actually tougher than what I thought. So shout out to all my coaches um, in the past. Like, it's actually tougher than what I thought. But, you know, once I lock in, you know, again, it's just, you know, studying, watching film, getting to know my players, getting to know, you know, the teams I'm going against, it, it, you know, it just it's just like any other thing. When you when you work hard at something, you 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 become great at it. So um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, night in and night out, I'm, I'm I'm always you know trying to get better. I, like for like I want to say two weeks straight, I went to Temple and kind of picked uh, Coach McKee's brain, Chris Clark, you know, some of the guys on the coach Mark Macon. I kind of picked those guys' brains. Um, Jerome Allen actually came in the city. I was with him for two days. I was picking his brain, so I have a lot of guys I can go to, and which is a blessing that I can go to these these great coaches in the city, these these Hall of Famers, and kind of pick their brain about coaching. And I love it, man. That's why I'm trying to actually start with the youth, and then you know just eventually move my way up. Deontay, you're obviously around the game as a coach right now. Could you compare what's yeah. different about today's player as opposed to when you were playing in high school? You know those days at Fells and that yeah. Lutheran. Yeah, it was. It's a lot different. Like when I played, it was like position, position basketball. Now it's position and list. Like you got these kids that are six eight, six seven at fifteen. When I was playing, you were automatically labeled as a center, automatically labeled as a power forward. Now these guys are point guards. These guys are shooting guards. So you have to train and coach these guys differently, and that's why I say it's a, it's a different for me going out there because I have to I have to go outside of what I know and, and learn new things and learn that this kid at six eight, he's a guard. He's my point guard. Uh the kid that might be, you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. So um yeah, it's a lot different, man. And I like it. I like I like the, the game in the in the way it's going right now. I love it actually. Yeah, I think you take us back a little bit, uh, if I'm not mistaken, growing up in Uptown. Uh, just your earliest memories uh, of playing basketball, how you kind of got into the game, and, and your earliest memories of, of just learning the game of basketball. Um, yeah, I got into basketball because, you know, it, it was funny because at the time it was like the thing to do. All the kids, when everybody was playing, I was like, I didn't want to be left out. So I went to try out. And, and again, you guys probably know my story. I was like horrible. I was a three-sport kid. I played baseball, football, basketball, and basketball literally was my worst sport. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that, and and my dad had told me at the age of twelve I had to pick which sport I wanted to play, and and whatever sport I picked, I had to stick with it. There was no quitting. You want to stick with that sport, and he gave me that option during basketball season. <laughs> and at twelve, I was like, okay, I would just play basketball and not taking it seriously. And, he literally made me quit everything else and stick to basketball. And from then, I just kind of grew to love it. And, you know, I fell in love with it. I got cut. My, my first time team I went out with, I got cut. And my dad actually went to the coach and was like, yeah, you cut him, but is it possible you can come to every practice and still practice with you guys? And I literally had to go to every practice, even though I was cut. I couldn't play no games. 
just had to go to practice every day. So that was like crazy to me, and it was weird. But I mean, it made me better as a, as a basketball player. <laughs> Deontay, this, this might sound like a simple question, but how did you yeah. become? How did you become the shooter that that you are? Because you, anybody who saw saw you play knows you could shoot the hell out of the ball. Did you? Yeah. For for a guy who just told us like, yeah, I got cut, and you know, my yeah. I wasn't good at first. Did you model your shot after somebody? Where did that come from? Is it something that came naturally to you? Is it something that I'm? I've, I've obviously I know you worked on your game, but you can just yeah, yeah, yeah. had a shooting stroke that that just really worked for you, obviously. Yeah. Um. Well, literally, all I could do was shoot, but my form was like funny. So actually, when I met with uh, John Hartnett, rest in peace to John Hartnett, mm-hmm. um, he, he could see that I could shoot. And every day, literally, he would make me shoot, just shoot. Don't dribble the ball, don't do nothing, just shoot the ball. So I would, he would make me spot shoot. He would make me make, I couldn't leave the gym and tell me, you know, 20 shots from each spot. Um, and this was every day, sometimes twice a day. And and again, I'm gonna go back to what I said. If you if you work on something long enough, you start to perfect it and and be great at it. And the older I got, the stronger I got, uh, the more disciplined I got. I started to actually literally perfect it. So, and then I started to you know add other things to my game. And then once I got to college, you know, it was you know it, was, it just became something very natural to me. I, I just could, I could shoot the ball very well. I was hoping you could talk about this too. I mean, you. You were a hell of a player at Fells. Did, did I would imagine that you probably had a bunch of people in your ear or other schools saying to you, like, you like, how come you're not at Rome and how come you're not at Gratz? How come you're not yeah. at this program? Did, did did a lot of that go on? And what kept you? Obviously, you, you did the prep year at Lutheran, but yeah. what, what kept you? What kept you at Fells? Um, it was funny because again, I told you I got cut my freshman year and my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I made the team my junior year, and I averaged 21 points a game. Right. So that summer, and again, I had, like, the most amazing group of people around me like that I can ever have. I had John Harnett, I had Guy Moore, and I had my father. And that's mm-hmm. the only people I would listen to, and that's the only people that would handle handle me as far as basketball is concerned. So after that year, I had Colonel Doherty, I had, you know, Martin Luther King, I had grads, I had all these schools telling me to transfer. And John Hannett, you know, he was seasoned in this stuff. So he was like, man, just stay where you at. Mm-hmm. You could be a big fish in a small pond and just continue to work. Like, we're not letting no hype get to us. He said, I'm telling you, you're going to average 30 points next year. Like, you're that good. But I didn't believe it. But he was literally telling me everything that was going to happen in the future. He could see it, and I just couldn't. But I'm so glad I made that decision to stay at Fells because that year coming in, I ended up, you know, leading the pub or the state, whatever, in scoring, average 30 you know, had all these schools, and he actually advised me to go to prep because I didn't, I could, I didn't get the SAT scores right away. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, go to prep, do another year, and I was only 17 when I graduated. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, you get a prep year, you'll still be 18, and that was probably one of the best things I could ever do as well. So, man, I, I just had some great people behind me. I didn't let you know the outside noise bother me, and I just stayed locked in. Deontay, what I want to ask you about the the current. Temple team and Aaron McKee. And now Caliph Battle is not asking for this comparison, but I, I can't be the only person that watches him shoot and thinks of you, right? Like, does he remind you a little bit of yourself, the way he gets his shot off? Or is that just me thinking that? I love, I love that kid. I, lo- I love the team. I, I'm going to get to that first. I love the team. I, I bet, like I said, I had like two weeks straight when I was going uh, 
to watch the team and, and hang out with the team. Those guys are working their tails off right now. They look really good. But um, Kyrie's battle, I fell in love with him the first time I saw him. Mm-hmm. When I, they said, oh, that Timberwolves averaging 23, I was like, what? Let me take a look at this kid. And I fell in love with him. And then when I started to interact with him, I kind of like trying to guide him. Like, you know, they want me to like, yo, speak with him, talk to him every day. And man, him just became really cool. Like I talked to him, tell him the things that he need to be doing, how to lead these guys, lead these guys to a championship. All that NBA stuff don't, don't matter unless you, you win. And we come from a winning culture. And that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, 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 love, I love talking to him. His jump shot is crazy. And he works hard as hell, man. Every time I'm in the gym, he's working. If he's not practicing, he's in the gym by himself. Like, he works he works hard, man. And I, I love to see it. All those guys work hard. Like, the gym is never empty. And that's, I love that. If I had that gym like that when I was there, it would be the same way. Those guys mm-hmm. are in the gym every day, man. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yate, wanted to wanted to ask you about this because you were kind enough to come on the podcast. Um, I mentioned yeah. this the other day that uh, our about our Temple Hoops all time fantasy draft, and we were able yeah, we, yeah. we got some like we like got a uh, we got some we got some engagement from a handful of former players, former coaches. Um, Dan yeah. Leibovitz was kind enough to break down Varun's entire team, uh, so I'm not going to ask you to do that. But uh, you're we're, we'd love to hear your unfiltered opinion on. Kind of uh, how I you know how tapped in you were to the draft itself or, or the results of it, but um, how you feel like I obviously I, you were my first round pick. How you feel like my yeah. team, which has taken some flack on this podcast, how you feel like uh, our team looks <laughs> and uh, and how the draft went. I was actually surprised. Like, I, so I was just scrolling and I saw the post. It was like, oh, we doing a draft. I was like, oh snap, let me let me tap into that. Like, I want to see that. I would be I would be. Surprised to see where I end up. I thought I was going to be, man, late first. Like, it, but when I saw, like, I was like, oh wow, in front of Lynn, friggin' Aaron, Eddie, I was like, wow. But no, I think it's dope, man. Like, I, I, I like that. I like it a lot. And I actually like our team. Why they giving you slack? I like our team. It was good. That's all. That's all we did. Well, that's all we did with each other the whole time. It was like a fantasy football draft. With, with Temple basketball yeah. players. And it was like, I can't believe this guy's still out there. And it was like comparing players from different eras. And and then it was just people yeah. voting. It was people voting. It was all really kind of like a, just t- people voting on Twitter. So Sam, you got, wait, I beat you in the first round, right? Yeah, I came out, I'll say this. I came out of the second round of the draft um, with Deontay Christmas and Quincy Wadley and thought there, and then I I get Juan Fernandez after that. You went Deontay um, Christmas. Oh, John, you went Deontay in the first round. John Baum in the second round. John Baum, Quincy, and yeah. Quincy. I I was like, there's no Nate way Blackwell. My team. Yeah, I felt very strong about our team, but the fans thought otherwise. I'm looking at. I'm actually looking at it now. I think we have one of the better teams. I we're, we're solid. What the I, we're, <laughs> and there was there was talk about like about like depth. I'm like, I got Quincy and I got Deontay. I got scores. I just seen dude, dudes to just be around them. I like, I got my scores early. <laughs> it was so just who, did they, who, did they, who did you guys think the best team was? I actually like, I like, I like Sam Newman's team with Eddie, Mark, Rick. That's a crazy, Scooty. That's a crazy mm. team. Yeah. That's a good team. That's a crazy team. Also, shout out to shout out to Scooty. Uh, played real well in the rump uh, a couple of days ago. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! Shout out to Scooty for real. Scooty Scooty played real well this summer. Like in the yeah. MVP, he 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 killed it, killed it. 
It was, yeah. it was honestly, it was a lot of fun because it's just, you know, like anytime you put out lists or drafts, it just creates a lot of conversation. Like people were looking at my team yeah, sure. and, they, and they were like, you don't have enough size. And I was like, you guys remember Kevin Lyde was in McDonald's all American. He was pretty good. I got, right, right. I got Rasheed Brokenbro in the fifth round. I got Johnny Miller, who was at temple for like a little bit before he transferred out years ago in the 10th round, but it was just fun. I mean, we just had, we had so much fun with it. That's like, crazy that you even got, you got Rasheed Brokenbro in the fifth round. That's wild. Do you like? Do you talk to him, Deontay? Like, how many of the guys do you do you talk to from the well, program, like across eras and stuff? Well, I talk to Aaron all the time. I speak with Rick all the time. I speak with Lynn is like my guy. He was my mentor. I speak to Lynn all the time. Mm-hmm. I speak to Tyndale all the time. Brooks all the time. Khalif. Um, really, the older guys, not so much. Like the Alex Wesby's and the, and, the, and the oh, I speak to Dave. I speak to Dave a lot. Mm-hmm. Dave, man, speak a little with Dustin on the internet. That's it, mm-hmm. like internet. Talk. Um, oh, Lavoy, I haven't spoken to Lavoy in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I'm looking at the list now. Uh, oh, Austin Shiz. I speak to Shiz mm-hmm. all the time. My young guy. Oh, Mark Jackson. Me and Mark talk all the time because you know he coaches youth. I coach youth, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we speak all the time. What's it like seeing Mark? Just as I'm thinking of it, to look at what Mark like to think of how how far Mark Tyndale came. Obviously, he was a highly recruited guy out of grad. So, see what he's doing as a coach now. Yeah. What's it like to see that? Oh man, he's a guy I speak to all the time. How he broke through and got like where he was. That's ultimately my dream to coach in the NBA. Like what he did. That's like a like he was telling me when I was in the NBA. He was looking up to me. I was like, man. Now I'm looking up to you. Like, what you doing? I'll tip my hat to you, dog. Like, I I want to do that so bad. And now that he's at Temple, I'm, like, super hyped and happy for him. And I'm going to actually go up there and speak to him this week coming up. So happy for him. Deontay, the, uh, the, the last thing I want to ask you about is Adam Sandler's Hustle movie, which came out a month or yeah. two, longer than that. Uh, the first thing I thought of, well, first is there's a lot of Temple references because Adam Sandler plays a former Temple basketball player. But I want to ask you, the first time you watched that movie, your reaction to seeing Adam Sandler having a number 22 Temple jersey hung up in his living room. Oh, my God. You know how many phone calls I got about that? <laughs> is that Did you personally give Adam Sandler uh, a jersey of yours? What, what was your reaction to seeing that? No, I got so many calls. Like my aunt, my aunt, everybody was like, how did Adam Sandler go to Temple Wear 22 and not get you in the movie? I said, I have no clue. No, nah, but it was dope. I thought the movie was really dope. Um, I was so happy that he allowed me to come in the gym and play with all those NBA guys. Like I was one of the first guys that they called. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. And then and meeting and talking to him. Actually, I had no idea about what he was doing in the movie that he was a temple athlete or I had no idea because I would have probably asked to like, you know, be in it. I'm sure I could have got some uh, cameo or something, but um, yeah, I was, I was, I was like that. That's crazy. But I was just, I was just happy to, you know, actually meet him. He's one of my favorite actors down on earth guy, good guy. So and I think the movie, the movie was really dope. You were at the, uh, the Imhotep runs, weren't you? How you doing? Oh uh, yes, I was at the Motel runs. It was it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I was like one of the first guys to get a call, and when they called me, it was like, "Yo, well, we got these guys coming up for us in the movie, and I think Adam's coming up. You know, just come up there. It's gonna be like a, a closed run, 
and we had like one camera guy there and he kind of did the camera stuff but that was it and we just got it in we just like a regular open run yeah i heard uh i heard adam's adam's dog was not allowed into the gym but what um what, yeah. what was your impression of what was your impression of him as a player i mean <laughs> uh kind of like i said i, I think i said it on another um interview he was like a guy that like one of the guys I've seen in LA Fitness. Like he was just <laughs> out there running up and down. He got an open shot. He hit it though. He knocked it down. So he wasn't out there missing shots. He made a few shots. So he kind of like played. He he just wanted to get his little sweat in. And then he like, yo, take my spot. Go ahead, I can get it in. And he sat there, watched his play for a little bit, and got up out of there. So that's too funny. He was good. Like I said, he was cool. Maybe kind of like a like an LA Fitness guy. <laughs> Deontay, this this was so much fun, man. I, I could listen to you tell stories all day. You've been so kind and yeah. with your time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for, for doing I this. Hopefully we, guys, can, uh, hopefully we can catch up with you soon. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate y'all guys, man. Always. If you need me again, man, just hit me up, man. I will always come on and and I, I would love to be a guest on your show, man. It's fine. What, what did you think? What did you think of his of his uh of his breakdown of, of our draft? I mean, I kind of feel like he, he generally was very friendly to, to everybody. He said he liked Sam Newman's team. He liked he liked his team. Didn't really wasn't really critical of anybody. What'd you what'd you think of his assessment of draft? So I'm glad to know I'm not the only person who's been on this podcast who's not like crapping on our buddy Boston Sam's team. I thought he had a solid draft. He did. Like, did he, he did. He did. Did he reach? Did he reach one or two? Right, like did he reach one or two times? Maybe, but who doesn't reach one or two times in a fantasy draft? Um, no, I, I loved it. Uh, I think, you know, what he shared about his relationship with Mark Tyndale was, you know, one of those heartwarming stories that you always hear about in the basketball community. It, like you told us before we got on, Deontay can tell one hell of a story. Um, I, I listen to him every week. Yeah. And so if you are... Uh, if you are an Alscoop.com subscriber, you'll hear some other portions of that interview. You're going to hear about uh, his recruitment to Temple, how Temple got involved in his recruitment. You'll hear the story. Uh, some of you in the Philly basketball community know the story of how Phil Martelli reacted when Deontay told him he was not coming to St. Joe's and, and, the, and the story uh, around that. Uh, his freshman season at Temple playing for John Shane and the challenges that came along with that. Just you know everything that, that Fran Dunphy did for him, how he flourished under Fran Dunphy, and he, you know Deontay did just an amazing job of taking us through, you know some of his memories at Temple, um, and then just the long road he took to finally sticking, you know, on an NBA roster for a season, and just kind of making his dream come true there. So just a ton of good stuff there uh, that we hope you guys will enjoy. So again, just want to thank Deontay again for the time that that he spent with us. Uh, let's, let's shift over to football. Cause again, we don't want to ignore the fact that it is where, you know, Javon and I are sitting here on Wednesday, August 10th, the season's approaching temple is now, I guess what, six preseason practices into camp um, you know, on Friday. Uh, well, actually, before we get to that, some recruiting updates. And yet for those of you who follow recruiting, you know, that since we last recorded temple has picked up, uh, a couple of verbal commitments. Uh, one last week, and Anthony Baxter is a six foot four uh, defensive back and wide receiver from uh, Fort Myers, Florida, from Riverdale High School. Really, an under recruited guy. Uh, I I think you know um, uh, Max Dinenberg did a story on him. If you're uh, a subscriber to Al Scoop, you can check out Max's story. 
really kind of an under-recruited guy. I think this is a Jules Montanar connection where he is, he's from Florida. He's recruited that area. Um, you know, again, if you, in case you don't know this, we can't, we can't interview coaches on the record until players sign their national letter of intent. So we can't talk to Jules directly on this, but I think our reasonable assumption would be that, you know, he sees uh, if Anthony Baxter is indeed six, four, they see some size length and speed there. And they, they see a player that they can develop, but uh, Baxter was a guy who's, like I said, really been lightly recruited. And I think they see a lot of potential there in him and see a guy that they can develop out of Florida. And then earlier today, Peter Clark, the tight end from uh, the NFL Academy in London committed to Temple. Uh, I believe we were the first media outlet to, to talk to him, talk to him back uh, earlier in the summer, uh, not long after he got his Temple offer. And chose Temple over Kansas and UTSA, a former, excuse me, a future uh, American Athletic Conference program. And uh, the story is up on the website now if you want to read it. So Temple's up to 16 verbals there uh, heading into ending into uh, to mid-August. So again, if you are an Scoop subscriber, you can read that story about Pierre Clark. You can read the Anthony Baxter story. We will continue to keep you covered uh, as far as recruiting is concerned. And again, as far as camp, I think they're starting to, the coaches are starting to, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Javon, let their guards down a little bit more. I still think that they're a staff, like all of these guys, you know, whether it's Stan Drayton, whether it's Danny Langsdorf, whether it's DJ Elliott, they've been a lot of great, around a lot of great football programs. And, and they're starting to give us a few more details on guys, right. Where they're starting to let their guards down a little bit more. I think that they don't want to, go out of their way either way to overly praise somebody or overly criticize somebody. Um, again, we got the, we got the coordinators on, on Friday, talked to Danny Langsdorf, talked to DJ Elliott, talked a little bit more about the quarterbacks, a little bit more about guys like, you know, about David Martin Robinson. Again, you can, you can read, you can read those stories uh, up on the website right now. Um, again, they talked a little bit about Dewan's progression and how that room seems a little bit tighter, but, it's an ongoing competition. You know, you hear some of the some of the standard coach speak stuff. And then uh, you were there, of course, on Monday, uh, Javon, and, and talked to um, talk to Jules Montanar. That was, I guess, what Jules Montanar. You got Jules Montanar, uh, Jafar Williams, and then and Stan Drayton again. What stands out to you from that session on, on Monday? And again, you can read, you know, we've got coverage throughout the week from from those sessions. What were some of the things that you took away from those conversations? I think to start with. Uh, George Montanar, uh, everything he said Monday was right on board with this Anthony Baxter recruitment. Uh, you got to have corners in all different sizes and shapes with right. different skill sets these days because that's just how receivers are, and it's a passing game now. So I thought, you know, seeing the Baxter commitment and listening to Jules on Monday, you know, perfect timing. They go hand in hand. Uh, I think with – Jafar Williams, it's a thing of his receivers are going to have to do everything. They're not just going to be, you know, Devon Fox isn't just going to be a red zone target. Ahmad Anderson isn't going to be just a utility guy. Don Sanders is going to have to play X, Y, and Z. Um, so I, I thought versatility seems like to be the new thing on 10th and Diamond. Everyone is going to have to learn how to play different roles. Uh, also with Jules, I think, you know, he's got his faith in Cameron Ruiz and Keyshawn Paul, um, but Dominic Hill looks like somebody that he likes a little bit. 
uh, that whole corner's room, they, everybody seems to like their room. Uh, I think Coach Drayton still would like to see more from the running backs and the offensive line. Um, but everyone seems to like their room and the attitudes of the players are starting to get where the coaching staff wants them to be. I think one interesting thing uh, on the defensive side, when they go nickel and dime, it's, you know, you know, base defense, two safeties, mm-hmm. two corners. Right. Um, and then when you go nickel and dime, it's normally adding one corner for nickel and two corner, two more corners for dime. Corners don't have sole designation to nickel and dime packages now. They're going with whoever's the best coverage guy, period, out of the safety right. room and the corner room. So it's a really – you better play your butt off in practice and show the coaches you can play if you want some time because it's, it's free game. It's open season. Yeah, again, if you go back and, and, and read our coverage so far, again, Langsdorf and, and DJ Elliott can give you a little bit more of a glimpse into, you know, how some of those position battles are coming along. And again, this is an ongoing thing as they continue to get into pads more and, and, and scrimmage. I, offensively, I think one of the things you, you touched on, the, the running backs battle. And, you know, again, I think they're starting to let their guards down a little bit more and give us a little bit more. I think they're still kind of cautious in terms of not going too far in either direction, either put a guy in a box and say, Oh, this guy's going to be all conference or going so far in the other direction and saying, this guy's not going to sniff the field this year. Um, Stan Drayton did say, it's talking about the running backs recently. He was asked about Onassis Neely and Trey Blair. And he said, you know, they're doing okay. They've got some good plays and some bad plays, but he, he said, I expect a lot more out of them. I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, granted he's, you know, he's asked about him, but they, they do seem to be, at least from what we can tell, counting on a guy like Jakari Norwood, the transfer who's coming from Illinois and he's getting things finalized with, you know, I, it sounds like finishing his, his, his paperwork there, his academics there. And, you know, Stan said, he's got it. He's a veteran guy who's been in, in camp before he's been, he's in great shape. And in another interview, he said, you know, he's got that extra gear. He's got that fifth gear and they're counting on a guy that for whatever reason didn't play a whole lot at Illinois. I think has like 240 some career yards rushing, but they, there, there seems to be something, obviously there's something they like about him or they wouldn't have gone after him in the transfer portal, but you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the coaches to hear, to hear about what the coaches say about him once he gets into camp, because again, just as a reminder, for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you get sick of hearing this. If it's your first time listening, uh, we don't get to see much more than the first 15 minutes of practice. And that's by design. It's usually, you know, drill work or special, some special team stuff at the most. So we're not seeing the entire practice and can't really break that down for you. So we try to just ask the best questions we can, but uh, it doesn't really seem like anybody has run away with that, with that running back position battle. And I wouldn't expect them to say, okay, this is so-and-so's person, uh, so-and-so's job to lose, but it seems like they're kind of taking that a day at a time and they are really waiting to see. It sounds like a guy like Jakari Norwood could come in and definitely have some packages, you know, you know, he's a, a, a quicker back and they're waiting on a guy to come in and make an impact. A guy that didn't play a whole lot at Illinois. I mean, are you getting the same impression where they're kind of like, Hey, this is, this is a guy who could be a difference maker for us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm spot on with you. I think you, summed that up perfectly. Yeah. So again, this is a process. We'll continue to continue to ask more questions for you as, 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 uh, as things move along here, there'll be more media availability as the, as the month of August progresses. 
Uh, we'll have more recruiting updates for you as they come along. Uh, we do have a, a couple of mailbag questions to get uh, get to here to close things out. One football-related, one Al Scoop fantasy basketball draft-related. Uh, the football-related one comes from the screen name Rockland Al. What is Coach Drayton's policy on providing information regarding injured players? Are you aware of any significant injuries to date? No significant injuries to date that we know about. Um, you know, a couple of guys dinged up here and there that we'll ask about. In terms of Stan Drayton's policy on providing information regarding injured players, I know this doesn't sound too exciting. I think it's kind of up to us to ask a little question here and there. I don't know that Stan's the type of guy that's going to volunteer the information. I, you know, I would imagine that, and again, knock on wood for them. I hope they all stay healthy. You know, I, I think it's a matter of like, if we were to see, you know, if we get to practice and we see a guy who's not in uniform, we'll ask about him. So I would say that Stan probably like other things probably has a, more of a practical slash cautious approach to providing information regarding injured players. He's not the type of guy who says, I don't talk about injuries. You know, I don't talk about that at all. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, for as glad as people are to see him go, I think, I think Rod Carey was almost kind of like remarkably honest about injury stuff, right? Javon, I mean, like he would, he would sometimes almost bring that up when there were specific, you know, you know, specific position changes, he would kind of just drop something on you and be like, Oh, I didn't know about that. I don't know if Stan is necessarily in that area or that comfort level yet, but I think it's kind of more of like a, if you ask about a guy, he'll tell you, but he's still kind of cautious. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. Yeah, that, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, and some of that stuff is more off the record than on the record. Like we'd probably know it and not release it, but yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Stan and Stan is, Aaron McKee, but a little more friendlier when it comes to the injuries. Like Aaron mm -hmm. will give you a general, mm -hmm. you know, it's his leg. Can't give you anything specific yeah. because I'm not a medical professional. Yeah. Stands that, but might give you just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, final question to close things out here. This is from Park Al for the Al Scoop staff. Who had the, who had the worst team in the draft? So we can go back and. Putting us on the spot here, John. Debate this, debate this again. Again, we we had a lot of fun with this. And like I said, we uh, a big thank you to to Dan Leibovitz, who who broke down, you know, hit Varun selected Dan as his coach. And he did that entire thread on Twitter where uh, he broke things down. And again, this is, this is why you do drafts and lists and stuff like this, to just create debate, to create conversation. And, and people voted on Twitter. Uh, Kyle did win. I guess we should probably say that Kyle did win the whole thing. He, he outlasted my team uh, on Saturday when the final vote came in, I think he won by like 11 or 12 votes, but the breakdown was like 51 to 49%. So hell of a week for Kyle welcomes his, his baby daughter into the world and wins the alscoop.com basketball fantasy draft. So again, we had a lot of fun with it. Mike Vrieswick weighed in a lot about my team, which I, I drafted him on and he was campaigning for votes. Kyle was creating videos, shared an embarrassing, do you say GIF or GIF, Javon? Does it, matter? Does it make a difference? I say GIF. I don't care which one people say. Yeah. Like we, we speak English. We know it can be pronounced. Yeah. He did, he did a campaign video. Like he was just, he was just pulling out all the stops, but it, it was a lot of fun. Again, you heard Deontay talk about, about his team, you know, Sam Cohn drafted him, and that's a team that includes Deontay himself, John Baum, Quincy Wadley, Nate Blackwell, Juan Fernandez, Jason Ivey, Josh Brown, that whole squad there. Who do we think had the worst team? 
I, I said it last week. I felt so bad for Caden's team because he's got some <laughs> scoring. It's just he doesn't have any size, but you can't blame him because, like me and Kyle talked about, college basketball, big men don't go to schools or the coaches that aren't known for big men. Like Georgetown, UCLA, the Blue Bloods, like they have a lock on big men. It's hard to find a good big man everywhere else. Like a Kofi Coburn is rare to see. Like Gonzaga is starting to be in that conversation for big men. So Caden was the Caden was the odd man out. He was the guy who couldn't get a big man on his team necessarily. And uh, you know, you try to match him up with everyone else. At the end of the day, you say when the fourth quarter comes, just pound him in the paint and and coast to victory. Yeah, I mean, he had, I mean, Terrence Stansbury was athletic as anything, but, but played played above his six foot five height, but you couldn't really call him a big. Granger Hall was six eight. There's that, you know, at least locally in, in Temple Lore, that iconic image of him with his arms mm-hmm. stretched across Broad Street. I mean, Ollie Johnson was was six six, Mark Strickland, an athletic guy there. But yeah, I mean. No real size. Again, he got the, he got a shot. He got a shout out from Ty Strickland when he chose Ty in the last round. Um, yeah, I mean, with all due respect to those guys, maybe I go with maybe I go with Caden, Kyle. God love him. Won the whole thing. The the, the knock on, on my team, people thought was I didn't have enough size. Again, I think people tend to forget. Oh, Kevin Live was a McDonald's All American and really really good. Kyle kept selling size. That's, been your, size, that's size. been your main campaign piece too. For me? Yeah. He was good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, after that, I think you, you bring like an Alton McCullough off the bench. Charlie Rain, not a big guy, but a physical guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we 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 had a lot of fun with it. I would hate, I I think maybe Caden had the the weakest team, but that's not to say that. I mean, his first pick in the draft, I loved that. I mean, you could have gone making there Guy Rogers. He went Guy Rogers. Terrence Stansbury was very good. I mean, he had, he had good players. Uh, but his team's going to put up a fight. Like, you're going to have to run with them, and you're going to have to guard them. Like, you're, you're going to be tired when that fourth quarter comes. It's just you're going to be able to post some guys up and get your easy buckets. Yeah, yeah. But, we again, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just fun to just convene – all of us, I think that my only regret was that we couldn't do it in person, but it was going to be virtually impossible getting everybody together. The room was out in Pittsburgh. Mike Mudrick, our former assistant editor, is out in, in York. He's at York College now teaching the sports uh, sports communications professor there now. But uh, we had so much fun with it. And like I said, we're going to have um, uh, like a small Legends of North Broad Street series that we'll bring to you where we you know talk to some of these former players, just catch up with them, find out. You know, what's going on in their lives and we'll, we'll ask them about uh we'll ask them about this team and this draft and just have some fun with it and Deontay Christmas our our you know, the portion of our interview with Deontay Christmas that you did not hear on the pod is going to kick off that series we're going to hopefully uh you know talk to Mike Vrieswick about that and get as many of these guys as we can so that'll do it for this week again thanks so much for sticking with us for another episode again congratulations to Kyle and Meg the birth of our daughter. And again, a big thank you to Javon and Sam for being with me on this episode. And a big thank you, of course, to Deontay Christmas for spending as much time with us as he did. So hope you guys are all happy and healthy and doing well. And we will talk to you next week.